Welcome to TechTastic, the podcast that explores the cutting-edge world of technology and its impact on society. New breakthroughs and developments are revolutionizing the world around us, presenting exciting opportunities as well as complex challenges. We'll explore the big ideas and key players driving these transformations as we seek to understand the implications of these advancements for our lives, our communities, and our planet. Join us on this journey of discovery and exploration as we navigate the fascinating and ever-evolving world of technology. This is TechTastic. Paul Crosby, welcome to It's TechTastic. It's lovely to have you here. It's great being here. Thank you so much. So, Paul, you've got the UncommonLeague.com website, which is a, a training resource for people that really want to up their game, right? Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, the Uncommon League, um, we started in 2015. Um, we were one of the first companies that started to do virtual training way back, uh, long before it became, shall we say, fashionable. So we've been at it for a very long period of time. Uh, we do things in business analysis, product owners, project management, product management, um, a lot of the soft skills as well, conflict as being one of them. Of course, our, our latest and greatest course is positive conflict, how to use conflict for better design and innovation. Yeah, and you're also a published author with Fail Fast, Fail Safe, right? Yeah, Fail Fast, Fail Safe. That was my first book. That's all about, you know, harnessing failure and kind of seeing it as not a negative as, you know, when I wrote the book, I was in corporate America, a large company, Fortune 50. And so, you know, failure was just kind of this thing that you you didn't do, right? And you and you try to cover it up as much as possible and you you know didn't learn from it. And I wrote it from the perspective of, you know, hey, listen, failure can be harnessed. It's a part of learning. And and you know, when you learn to walk, that's the first thing you do is you stumble and you you fall. And you know, and you thank God that your mom and dad were smart enough to put in shag carpeting with a lot of you know, padding on it, right? So, you know, yeah. you didn't get... and, I, and I think that's where fail safe comes into play about it. Yeah, you you fail, absolutely. But it's failing safe and kind of, you know, making sure that when you do fall, you don't hurt yourself. Yeah, it's one of the topics that I get into a lot with teams, because what you, uh, the company you were at, I have a little bit of experience with recently. And they're still in that mode of, uh, they have groups, they have an entire division that's focused on innovation, and it's safe to fail there. But nowhere else in the organization is it. And I used to really bristle at the idea of failing fast because the intent is not to fail at all. Right. It's, to, it's to learn. But when I started interacting with these larger companies and being heavily involved in their leadership, I, I realized why it was such a good thing to put out there. The, the fear of failure there is the fear of losing your entire, you know, you're going to lose your job, you're going to lose your career potentially. Exactly. Yeah, right. But the, the thing that's hard to teach people is a learning mindset. Yeah. And it's absolutely necessary if you're doing a startup or if you're trying to be innovative and you're trying to be disruptive in any space. Absolutely. I mean, if you're an entrepreneur and, you know, I started the In Common League, you know, a, a few years back. I mean, it was several brands have kind of come on board and we kind of, you know, built ourselves up a little bit, you know. But, you know, we were a little tiny little company called Bob the BA. And that's where we kind of started. and when you are in this very entrepreneurial space and you're talking about failure and being open to it 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 is important because it is the way that you can kind of adapt yourself and be flexible and and kind of refine your product um, for the marketplace 
I really like the mob sort of agile approach to development where you've got this developer and the customer and your product owner and team members are all in a room all together and they're hammering it out and they're working out what that solution needs to be. I find that those are the, the most productive, but it's a you're in a safe environment, right? You're in an environment where you can do that and you can fail and it's okay. And everybody under everybody in that room understands and the expectation is set. Hey, we can fail. We can do this. It's okay. It's just part of the, the process. How would you implement that at a very large organization that doesn't have direct access to their customers because maybe they're an enterprise company, not a consumer-based company? Yeah, I mean, like for the, the last company I worked for and we employed this, um, we had someone that was knowledgeable. They could represent the customer. They were in sales. They were in the field. They talked to customers every single day. Um, we drug them in and, and they were sort of the representative because they didn't want to bring, you know, necessarily bring a real customer into technology. God forbid that a customer should talk to technology. <laughs> but, you know, and, and just kind of had that that real in-depth kind of conversation going on. And of all the times that I've had these mobs, they were great experiences, right? I mean, you just level set people and set the expectation and you can get some really solid information out of them and good group context coming out of it. Additionally, you know, you think about it, it it's like the Kaizen. It's the mm -hmm. process improvement event. It's kind of that same sort of feeling that you need to have everybody in the room that, that is kind of working on this thing in the room, kind of making decisions. Um, and it works out beautifully. Yeah, the Toyota method or a Kaizen or, you know, there's a lot of different ways of being really the same thing. And it's fascinating to me how far some of the formalized processes end up drifting away from the end goal, which is clear, open conversation between the people with expectations and the people developing solutions to those expectations. Yeah. You brought in salespeople and I get why that's a very good idea because they are often a great representative of the customer, but they also have their own bias Definitely. They know them, and I mean that in a very like air quotes around it. They know it, but they don't really. They've made assumptions. This just gets back to your testing. Yeah, you definitely got to test it with your customers. And at some point, you know, initially you're going to start off with like a really good representative of the customer. But at some point, you're going to have to physically put this in front of a customer and have them interact with it to get that feedback. You got to do that. There's no avoiding that situation at all, because otherwise you're going to have this kind of it sort of meets customer needs, but kind of doesn't meet customer needs sort of moment. <laughs> yeah. um, and there's nothing more horrifying than, well, it kind of works. Uh, that comment kills me every time. <laughs> And I remember the, uh, one of the projects that I worked on was a project to revamp um, a user interface for nurse practitioners. And we revamped that interface and everybody was like, gosh, it's close, but, you know, not quite there. And, you know, it OK, yeah. And everybody kind of got very down and kind of upset about it and all that kind of stuff. But I said, hey, wait a minute, guys, look at where we were before. This was a green screen on a mainframe that was driving <laughs> nurse practitioners to the brink of utter insanity. You know, you had to know like shift function. Ugh, it was just terrible. <laughs> it was crazy. And I said, you know, are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. And I think we have to kind of accept that Pareto principle of, you know, 80%, 20 is not going to quite be there. Okay, that's good. But let's foster this continuous improvement. Let's continuously improve this. Let's continue experiment. I had a little bit of a battle when people were like, let's just abandon it. It didn't work. Let's just keep with the green screen. Oh. 
And it was like, no guys, I think we can do this. And as far as that went well, I, I mean, it took us a little bit of battle to get people back on board. And, and I was seen as a sort of disruptor, which was kind of crazy. But, you know, and then I went to work for another organization and I put the goal way the heck out there. You know, I know that it really wasn't feasible or possible from what I understood, but I put it way out there. And I, you know, the team worked like crazy to make this happen. But, you know, there were many times where I had so many meetings with executives and leaders of the organization that were just like, Paul, I don't know what you're doing. This is crazy. You're never going to get there. We have to stay within our box. And it was like, no, we, we <laughs> let's do it. Let's experiment and fail. And, you know, my um, colleague at the time walked into the bullpen, which is where we had all our developers in, and she's, she just screamed. She's just like, take your hands off the keyboard. <laughs> you know? It was just like, <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? I literally ran from my office into the bullpen and I'm like, we need to have a conversation. And that conversation is not happening here. Wow. And it was like, what are you doing? I was just like, this is it. We can't do this anymore. There are just too many things that are going wrong. And, blah, 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 blah. and I was like, listen, we're working on these things. This is a continuous improvement organization. All this stuff that's coming in here, we're fixing. Here, let's look at the list of stuff we fixed today, which is huge. And we deployed it and all this fun and exciting stuff. And, you know, it's just like, but all I hear is all I hear, I said, yeah, you're going to hear people that are very negative. But you got to look at the at the positive as well. You got to look at what we're achieving here. And, you know, this is for a big user provisioning and, and logistics kind of thing. And it reduced their cycle time by 90 percent straight up first version, 90 percent reduction in wow. cycle time. And it was a huge accomplishment that got overshadowed by, you know, uh, they didn't have a lack of confidence that it would actually work. And I said, well, here's the metrics. Here's where we are. Here's what we're delivering. Yeah, we are achieving this 90% reduction. In fact, in the next release, we're probably going to get even more reduction in cycle time. And then at that point, I had to constantly reassure them, listen, this is good. We're fine. We're going to make it. Don't worry. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> As you were saying this, one very vivid memory came up that I was trying to figure out how to, to even talk to because it's so specific to that company. But the short version of it is they had been sold this vision of what we were going to accomplish as an absolute by somebody else. It wasn't me. Somebody else had picked up the story and then ran with it. Yeah. And when it didn't meet the mark, it was exactly what you were saying. Like, oh, it's only 80% right. Look at all these problems. And I had to sit them down and say, that's infinitely better than what you have. We're working through the yeah. problems just like you described, right? Same exact story, but the ultimate win with them was to pull them in and make them part of the whole story too, to give them win with it. It's like, okay, maybe you're seeing a risk that we're not aware of. That's great, bring it in, bring that to this conversation, become part of the iteration, the cycle that we're going through to do this and won them on as an advocate. Yeah, absolutely. Include them in on that. They got different perspectives. They got different viewpoints. Absolutely. You know, they're going to see things from a, a different perspective that are going to be able to give you insight into developing a better product. And I think one of the things that I've learned over my career is you kind of have to chunk it up a little bit. You have to look at what the current state is. I can't tell you how many times I've gone into a company and I've said, you know, I need to document and we need to look at your current state and kind of come to a common agreement on it. And, and they sort of, you know, scoff like, <laughs> Well, everybody agrees what the current state is. 
And, you know, nine times out of 10, we'll, I'll go in there and I'll do the analysis and I'll come out of that and they'll, they'll look at it and they'll go, I didn't know this was happening. <laughs> okay. I didn't know this was there. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. Really? This happens to you? Well, and you know, and that's an important part, right? Get everybody on the same page as to where you actually are. And then I go into like this desired state mode and I'm like, guys, it's leprechauns, unicorns in a cotton candy field. There is not one ounce of reality that needs to be in this discussion. But I want you to go way beyond the box and I want you to focus on the things that you would see as innovative, the things that you would see as inventive and the things that would really define us as a product as being, you know, outstanding, unique and all that good stuff. And, you know, it's changing that mindset from scarcity mentality, the scarcity mentality of, oh, my God, there's just so little things that we can do back to an abundancy mentality of there's a whole plethora of things that we can possibly do. And, you know, I get the pushback of like, well, Paul, if you do that, you're un you're setting unrealistic expectations of their desires because you know that a lot of these desires you're not going to be able to meet. And I said, but that's not the point. The point is that I wouldn't even know they were thinking that. I won't even be able to determine if it's feasible or not had they not come up with that idea in in the desired state analysis right that they went in there and they just kind of gave me those ideas i said you know what in the next stage i'm going to be doing that compromise i'm going to be looking at what we can and cannot do and all that kind of fun and exciting stuff and see which gaps i can close and which i can create and which capabilities are going to work and which aren't I'm always amazed at what the assumptions of the user, customer, or business are around what's possible and how incorrect they are versus what, what's actually accomplishable with the teams. Vastly wrong on both sides. Thinking we yeah. can't do things that we absolutely can and thinking that things that are incredibly difficult are simple. Yeah. Oh, definitely, because they don't understand each other. They assume. And it's like, you, you got to get rid of those assumptions about, you know, this is, I assume that technology can only do this. And, you know, I assume the business can only do that. And it's like, no, you got to get rid of those assumptions. You got to get get into a room and just, you know, like really focus on being inventive and innovative and, and not make those assumptions. There's no such thing as can't. Let's figure out what's desired. Yeah. I, I can't remember who gave the quote of when you shoot for the moon and you miss, at least you're amongst the stars. Oh, yeah. And I always loved that as a way of talking about that. It's like, guys, the ideal state, what's the perfect world? Well, we'll never be perfect. Right. But we'll be a lot closer to it if we try for perfect. Yeah. Nothing in this life is, is perfect. Never. I mean, there's, there are moments of perfection, right? Definitely. You know, my wedding. Okay. That was perfection. <laughs> But, you know, that took freaking three years of planning, oh, right? Wow. So, you know, um, there it was. But, you know, you have moments of perfection and you really strive to get to that level of perfection. Absolutely. But, you know, a lot of it, it just comes down to luck, right? There's If you truly are going to get there, you're not going to be able to get perfection all the time. You, there's Something's going to go wrong. It's Murphy's Law, if you will. There's always going to be something. And it's, it's kind of dealing with that and understanding that the world isn't a perfect place. It is imperfect. And your role here is to take this imperfection and make it just a little bit better. A hundred percent agree with you. My current motto seems to be get in and get going. Yeah. Get experimenting, figure it out, because the chances that what you believe today are correct are pretty low. Uh, you might get 10% of it right on the first try and then 20% on the second, et cetera. Like you can build up towards a close to ideal state, but you're never gonna get all the way. So just get in and get going. You mentioned earlier, the adult learning pattern tends to be experiential learners, which is get in, start doing it and learn from doing it. Absolutely. Yep. You can't move unless you, you know, experiment in some way. Fantastic. 
Paul. It was lovely having you on. Is there anything you want to say with the last couple of minutes to the audience? Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. You know, obviously you can tell I'm really passionate about the positive conflict and uh, fail fast, fail slow stuff. And as, as you as well, I had a great time. I really appreciate it. And that's a wrap for this episode of TechTastic. I want to thank you personally for joining us and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep exploring and stay curious.